You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, because this wonderful podcast. And join me on the other line because, frankly, we're going to be doing a lot of shows together in the offseason. From Forbes.com, West Indianapolis News, and my co-host, Mr. Tony. is Tony, how are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, I got to watch a lot of the Pacers play basketball last week in Summer League, and I loved it. And everybody who was supposed to be good for the Pacers was good, and a few other guys who weren't necessarily supposed to be that good were good, and we got to learn about how the Pacers are going to play games. And we've kind of reached the ending point of the offseason where – Nothing is expected, but every move that's made is kind of cool and interesting. So it is a happy time for me to be a basketball fan, but also a sad time because Summer League is over. And now after today's show, Adam, we don't get to talk about real basketball until early October. So will you explain for the audience how the Summer League uh, like works after they play their regular season, basically? I guess you would call it that, whatever it's called, the ex- exhibition games? They're all exhibition games, technically. There used to be a playoffs, but now it's just the two teams with the best records – play each other in the championship game, okay. which is literally going on right now. The Kings are playing. Did the they eliminate that because of COVID, I guess? Is that what one of the uh, I don't think they or... had it in 2019 Summer League either. I don't yeah. remember. But yeah, I don't think it should be a tournament. I, I remember there used to be, used to be was like 18 tournament, I guess. I don't remember how many teams. Yeah, they still it. call it. I think the play, they call it like a playoff round, but it's just game. It's just an extra game, basically. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really dumb that they do that. Like the Pacers had a playoff round game against the Wizards, but it doesn't. It wasn't a playoff game. Yeah, so the Pacers, what they finished, ended up finishing... What three and two in the preseason? Three and two. Two in the summer league yeah. game. Sorry. Yeah, they smoked everybody except the Hawks and the Knicks. The Knicks were one of the best teams in summer league because they had a ton of good second year players there. Uh, you know that like Goga would have been probably that good if he was able to play. Uh, and then the Hawks were also very good, highlighted by their rookies Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson. But then the Pacers beat the absolute doors off of the Blazers and the Wizards, and I'm forgetting of oh, the Thunder. The Thunder. But none of the results matter. I don't yeah. think the scores matter at all. Um, they could have gone 0-5, and yeah. I would have talked about the same things. The big thing is, here's the first one. I did well, a hold, summer league. Hold on, okay. I, forgot. I, didn't, I didn't say how, how we're structuring the show real quick. We are going to talk about Cassius Stanley's uh, qualifying offer being pulled at the end of the show. Yes. Uh, we're going to do like general take to takeaways next time, but we're going to start with some of the important, I guess, guys and, and factors of, of summer league. So you go, go, go ahead now. Well, I was going to say the most important Summer League factoid I can give you to talk about the Pacers at Summer League is I broke down the first two games last Friday's podcast and about how good O'Shea Brissett was. And he was so good, the Pacers said, you're done. They pulled him for the last three games. They said, you're clearly a cut above these guys, right? He actually shot the ball pretty bad because he was trying to initiate a lot and he was getting to the rim a lot better than he has in the past, but he couldn't quite finish. But he was just beating everybody off the dribble, drew a million fouls, took nine free throws a game. So even though he shot poorly, he still looked like easily the best player. Uh, and that's exactly what the Pacers needed to see from O'Shea Brissett. Yeah, There's not it really an... well. It yes, goes it well does. for their for the regular season. We've been, you know, I mean, I, I think we'll eventually do it, but I think he's probably the, like, maybe the most interesting Pacer next season, the most kind of, like, could change their destiny kind of Pacer. I think going That's possible. Season. I mean, I guess maybe Warren in some ways, but I think Brissett really will be interesting because he's the only really true four on the team, frankly. If you listen to the podcast where Mad Ants head coach Tom Hankins was on, he talked about how O'Shea was a lot better shooting the ball with the Pacers than with Fort Wayne because the shots he was taking with the Pacers were just 
way easier, right? Like all catch and shoot basically. And with the summer Pacers, it was back to the mad ant shots where it was a lot of off the dribbler. He was creating for himself. And with the Pacers this year, that's not going to be the case. So obviously the the fifth, maybe fourth option on most, most he's out there, which is great. But if he, you know, if he, if that shot, that shot he had last year, I think he ended up near 40%, over 40%. If he can leverage that into a shot, fake and drive like that just makes him even better. And the drives are looking good in summer league. And, like most stats stuff and summer league in general just doesn't like super matter. Uh, I, th- I forget what the data study was. It's like, if you're bad, it does not necessarily mean you're going to be bad, but it's a little more likely that you're going to be bad. And if you're good in summer league, it doesn't mean you're going to be good in the NBA, but it, it like, it's a little more likely like it's, it's extremely small margins, but there was a little bit of correlation, but not much. That's um, a, but O'Shea was so great, good that great stat, Tony, <laughs> not a correlation. You know, I, I, well, it was like an actual, like Seth Partnow level. Per, it wasn't Seth Partnow, I don't think, but it was that level of person who used to do analytics for a team and then is now it's in the like, it's it, to me, it's like, it's like minor leagues, right? I mean, if, in any sport where like, if you're good in your minor league, it doesn't seem even great in the pros, but it does signal the fact that like you're ready to be playing at a pro level. Yeah. But I, I you know, I'm mostly dismissive of it unless you're like O'Shea where you're just so obviously better than everybody. That, that's like, yes, you're, you're clearly an NBA player. Well, you should the be other... excelling in these games if you're an NBA player, right? Because it's, it's yes. below NBA talent theoretically. And speaking of excelling in these games, uh, Chris Duarte, I mean, the headline I had for the last pod breaking down the first two games was that Chris Duarte is shining in summer league. And that, continued to be the case he even sat out the last game because they were like you are you you did it you're good we get it we want to get other guys reps because he was cannon off the dribble threes his defense was wonderful his passing came up a little more like in the last couple games they clearly made it more of a point to say duarte you're creating like you the ball is going to you you're going to dribble around a screen you're going to pass you're going to try to get your own shot and he definitely still had some limitations beating guys off the dribble, right? Like half his shots were threes because he's not super awesome at getting into the paint yet. But I don't want to, you know, be too negative because he drilled the shots. He's a good, tough shot maker. He prides himself on that. His defense was great. Uh, He, like O'Shea, clearly looked better than most players in most games. And and for a rookie, that's even more important. You know, I'm not saying he will be in their Pacers rotation next year, but if he was fighting for minutes at all with Sumner or Lamb or whoever, this summer league showing definitely helped him. Yeah, I mean, I think the... The thing, you know, something he, st- he doesn't quite have the like one move to get like a ton of space, um, but he's a much, it's a much more skilled like shooting guard small forward than probably any pacer player off the bench. I mean, I, I think, right? I mean, if you look at like, I, I mean, I think you, Justin Holiday probably is better than him in that, but I think we look at like some of the younger guys, the guys he's competing with, like even Edwin Sumner, I'm not sure has that kind of three point skill. Sumner is very much like beats you with speed, and that's how he scores. And he just kind of like, athletically kind of better than most players, but Duarte has a little more like, I think skill than the guys who'd be competing with for minutes. Now I don't know if it translates to the NBA, right? I mean, you know, if he couldn't get, get as much separation against guys who are not NBA players, I don't know how he'll do against like real NBA players, but I think when he places bench units, at least is somewhat comparable to summer league in the sense that like in all, you know, it's guys maybe not as like trying hard defensively or whatnot. So that could benefit him, but um, he did like hit the mark at least like he wasn't, he wasn't just terrible, which is always a good sign. He was the best Pacers draft pick in summer league since Miles or or Joe Young, whatever, 2015. Yeah, but who league. but Goa hasn't played a summer league. Leaf played what? No, I mean, but that matters. They had first round picks in that span, and he was better. Yeah, but he's also the highest first round pick since sure Turner, right? I mean, there's also that too. But yes. And he's also like 24 years old, right? So he's 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 older than most like you know, I mean he's not just like a 19-year-old kid out there. He's a grown adult playing basketball, which is right. also a plus. He does have the maturity advantage, but from a Pacers solely perspective, like Aaron holiday was bad in his second summer league, even 
Uh, well, Alizé Johnson. Not a great player, so that explains all. Well, right, right. I just, you know, in the, in the history of Pacers draft picks in Summer League, things have not been pretty since the Miles Joe Young Summer League. Uh, but Duarte was great. Uh, it was awesome to see stuff like that. And, and to a point we said about O'Shea earlier, like I said a lot of Duarte's threes were off the dribble because they were. But like O'Shea, he probably, especially if he's playing alongside McConnell a lot, won't be asked to create off the dribble like ever. If he can just knock down the catch and shoot threes, great. That that That's exactly what they need him to do. And he didn't take a ton of catch and shoots because, again, they were trying to run stuff through him. But uh, he still is very good. And now I have... This is going to seem obtuse, Adam. I, I understand that. I actually messaged uh, Derek Kramer at iPacers blog and said, does this sound ridiculous to say? Duarte was awesome. And I actually, compared to, compared to my expectation of how I thought the rookies would be in Summer League, I was actually more impressed with Isaiah Jackson uh, than Duarte. Isaiah lower Jackson, expectations. Much lower. What? Much, much, much lower. Mine was, mine was that much lower, though, because his skill set of just like, I can fly around everywhere and jump out of the gym like, if you can walk and chew gum, you can put up big stats as a big man in the G League and in Summer League, right? But yeah, Isaiah's but 19 de- years old. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really expect that much out of him in terms of just like Duarte. I expected to like look somewhat professional. Isaiah Jackson, that could have been, you could have told me a lot of things that happened with him and I wouldn't have been surprised. Well, for me, I know you got <laughs> my high expectations, expectations for them were not that separate because rookies are typically rookies. Uh, but Jackson's defense was ridiculous. Like that dude was everywhere at the same time. Uh, tied the summer league record for blocks in the last game had some awesome switches onto guards and forwards where he just completely shut him down. Great lob threat. Good roll to the rim guy. Absolutely atrocious jumper, right? That dude should not be shooting jumpers at this stage of his career, but basically everything else, right? Putbacks, boxing out, rolling, screening, switching movement. Like he looked really good. Like I don't, I don't want to say he reminds me of any NBA player necessarily, but just, a lot of those fours who can't shoot but are still really good defenders, like you, you see the skills that they have that he can can have at, at some point in his career. So I still think he's a project because his offense is so raw and he, he basically can only do stuff around the basket with the ball. But he was really impressive to me in summer league with the way he moved, with the way he defended, with the way he impacted the game. And I was really impressed by that uh, and how far along he looked at this stage. So, again, I don't think he'll play this year, but between him and Duarte, they were both obviously awesome, but I was really impressed with Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I, I am just concerned in general about um, the offense because I do think in the league, offense become much more important than the defense, and that's sort of where it becomes kind of – because, we, I mean, what we've seen over the past couple of seasons is that if you're the best defensive players, unless they're also really good offensively, don't really have the, the same impact as a really great offensive player can have on a team, unfortunately. Um and that might not matter on the margins, but I do think if you can't shoot, you can basically run off the floor in the playoffs pretty easily. Uh, like several, like Giannis, you know, he got run off the floor. Yeah, but Giannis, yeah, Giannis is not – he's a bad shooter, but he's a great offensive player. So you can be a great offensive player without shooting. Yes, that's totally true. I just meant his whole <laughs> offensive game right now, not just the shot. In general, his offensive game is kind of – and especially because he's not going to be like a ball creator, right? The ball – I mean, unless somehow he – He's not level. He's not going to. It actually makes him more through, valuable to me, right? The offense is going to run through him. We're like Giannis. You're going to run the offense through him most of the time. I mean, you can get away with it. Peter Tucker couldn't play offense this last season in the playoffs, at least, and he was fine. I mean, they're certainly get away with it. I guess I'm just like there is some concern in a young player who really just has like no offensive feel that it's kind of concerning. I guess. Well, I don't think he has no offensive feel. No, I, I think that's fair. Can't no, shoot like his pay had so many great over the head like whip passes down low and his feel and his pick and roll was really impressive. He had a few good kickout passes from that. Like, I, I think he will be a good offensive player, just maybe not the, the whole shooting part of it, well, which is obviously important. I don't want to be like, Oh, this is fine. It, it, but, it really depends the role, right? If, if you're like the number one or two option on a team, 
then you're probably you don't necessarily have to be the best shooter because the offense can run through you. I you will worry. never be that high of an option, though. right? That's what I mean. So if you're running as a fourth option, shooting because even more valuable at times, just because it's like you're kind of like I mean we see it with Turner, right? Where I think Turner actually isn't a terrible offensive player, but when you just make him sit in the corner shoot threes, he looks like shit because he's not like this amazing three three point shooter. And that's what I worry is a similar destiny for Isaiah Jackson. But he's, he's 19; he can still develop his shot. There's plenty of time I just – Yeah, I don't like, think it's as, nearly as important as you do given the rest of his skills. Like, there are so many just screen dive defense centers in the league that are successful, and I think yeah. you can be – Well, well like and that's what I mean is, is what do you, you – if you get another Miles Turner out of him, like, he comes that player, you're probably fine, right? I just – I guess I don't I – mean, I also so clouded by the fact that they have two centers and I can't get past the fact, like, what is the center looking three seasons? But it easily three seasons, they could have neither center and he could be the center. So, like, I just... Well, regardless of the three-year evaluation of the Pacers, I would say his summer league was... No, I guess I would agree his overall summer league was a, was a positive. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I think, I think a lot of it is, like I said, it's just... It's just... It's hard for me to get rid of the, the center mindset because they have so many centers for some stupid reason. Uh, I don't think he's a center is where you are misguided here. Yeah, but if he can't shoot, isn't that where he's going to be his most valuable then well, was thad young a center was pj tucker a center so thad young could shoot ish no he could no he couldn't get out of here <laughs> did he shoot 38 percent one season that is young yeah on like 53 is the whole season so yeah so pj tucker definitely can't shoot i would agree with that for sure i guess that shot 38 percent on 118 three-point attempts i guess so. but was it pj tucker kind of he didn't really right. Did they play him and Brooke Lopez together in the playoffs? I don't know why I'm now I'm blanking on that. Yes, they the did, time. right? They got away with that a little bit, but a lot of times the best lineup was Portis Giannis and, at center, right? Giannis at center, Giannis is like the point guard point center in some ways because of offensive. There, range there range. are several non shooting centers that are good, several. yeah. I'm just saying, but then if, he's, then if he's not a center, I'm not sure if he's a non shooting four, it, it becomes like kind of a little bit more concerning, like that or PJ Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Peter Tucker played that. center for most of the time. I mean, I, I, why? I mean, Peter Tucker was an okay shooter until this year, I guess, right? Just from Thad, the I get it. or mostly from the corners, I would say. Yeah, Thad, I Just, thought. I mean, Thad was uh, yeah. not not even that really good. I think it's more like mythology. James Harden was just like, you shoot, <laughs> take yeah. this, take this hot. Yeah, but we, but we also, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Thaddeus Young is not a bad thing, but Thaddeus Young, I think, has a better jump shot than. I said, Jackson, but it's time to develop it. But like, that doesn't have like, the, a terrible jump shot. He was pretty good from those mid range shots in his last year at the Pacers. Remember, that was like a big, uh, what was it? Chris Haynes wrote an article about that at one point. I don't remember anything. Yeah, there was a whole thing about how he took out that, like, they kind of let that take like the 12 footer over and over again. He was pretty decent at it. Huh. But, anyways, we let's, uh, let's move on to some of like the general take- takeaways. I think that's kind of bigger. And going go to some of the, because I think there's actually one player who I thought played. Pretty well, who's not kind of that elite class, but is interesting and somebody to watch. Um, but first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Sweat Block. So there are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, the kind of sweating where you sweat through your shirt for no reason. It's just kind of embarrassing. I know this isn't life or death, but there are some much worse problems in the world. But let's be honest, in the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or first date, or God forbid, during those kind of times. I'd rather not worry about it, and that's why you should use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is a stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. But you simply apply it at nighttime before you go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but 
literally only sweat block, you sweat block once twice a week and it keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. I know I do that a lot. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Get a 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on L O C K E D O N or you can find sweatblock at Amazon and CVS. Get sweatblock today. And we are also brought to you by Farragon. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragon can help. Theragon is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tensions using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and just quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragon doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscles to tension from a workout, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there is no substitute for a Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to the site and check it out in the Theragun app, learn from your behaviors, and suggest guided routine. Teens. Theragon is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers all over the world. Try Theragon for 30 days starting at $199. Go to theragon.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragon today. That's Theragon slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, theragon.com slash locked on. All right, Tony. So what do you make of Dwayne Washington? I think that was probably the most interesting non. Um, wow. Wow. Right? Well, you don't think he was the most interesting one of the, of the non like big three? He is my fourth most interesting non big three player, probably. OK, give me the list then of who you have. That said, we can talk about Dwayne Washington first because his first game was the best probably individual performance of any pacer in summer league. And he's guaranteed to be on a two next year. He already signed it. So we know we'll be seeing a lot more of him, both with the Pacers and the Mad Ants. Um, yeah, I watched some of his tape from Ohio State days, uh, the Oral Roberts game for the NCAA tournament, and won two Big Ten games, both against Illinois, ironically. And I think Dwayne Washington has kind of summed himself up in summer league pretty well. He has some games where he just cannot miss from three, right? Like he even at Ohio State, he just he has such a good repeatable form, but you know something about the way he's being defended or the way he's feeling himself that day, like he's just very streaky. And some games he's electric, and that's great. And some games he's really off, but. He still hunts his shots, which is noble, and you have to defend him because he's a good shooter, right? He shot 48% on five attempts a game from three. Um, so he's definitely a good shooter, definitely a good off-ball player, not so much uh, you know, like a point guard or, or going to be creating for others, but a fantastic off-ball mover and shooter, which was really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think he has some of the same potential. I think Pacers saw out of Cassius Stanley in some ways. I think better offensive player, but some of the same kind of like athleticism pop and whatnot. Um, and I, the reason I think he's the most interesting one is because he'll be on the roster next year. So we could see him in, you know, those kind of like, uh, would call garbage time minutes or like if there's three guards hurt, he ends up playing like, a what was it? Two seasons ago, was it Bowen ended up making up for a game or two because there was like four guards hurt started, right? Started he started. So like he, to me, he's like of the guys, the rest of the roster, he's probably like, I mean, I guess the one guy kind of on two way, instead of having to catch up about that later, but like, he's probably the most likely of any other guy we'll see on the Pacers next season, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited to watch him. Uh, you know, that, again, that first game against uh, the Knicks, he was just ridiculous. Like, they had no answer for him, and he was really impressive. He got the the, the podium game, which was really cool. But no, he was uh, the fourth most interesting okay. guy to me 
mostly because I kind of knew what he was going to be. Uh, like I said, he was similar to what he was at Ohio State. To me, so, interesting for good or bad reasons. There are some other guys I want to talk about. First up, Kiefer Sykes. Uh, Sykes is in camp for the Pacers. If you don't know who Kiefer Sykes is, we did a segment on him. He hit that game-winning shot in the basketball tournament to win his team a million dollars right before signing uh, his training camp contract with the Pacers. He's been overseas for forever, played summer league and preseason for the Spurs a long time ago. Um, never been in the NBA. He was very good in the summer league. He could create his own shot. He was hitting mid-rangers. He was hitting threes. He really struggled in the first game, but had just enough passing chops to be like a playmaker, was a good scorer. He's definitely limited by his height in terms of, you know, what he can do defensively, what kind of shots he can take. But his jumper is very smooth. He's very controlled, right? He was definitely one of the best offensive pacers every game. And the only reason he's so interesting to me is he signed it, well, among that he was actually a good player in the games, is that he's in camp for sure, and he plays point guard. And I'm not saying he'll make the team. I'm not saying he should make the team. But I will say he's an interesting uh, option for you know a depth point guard spot, a spot we've been saying they need. If they keep Keelan on guaranteed or they can push that date back and make that a competition, maybe he can compete for uh, the actual last roster spot, right? Or you know he's already on that non-guaranteed for the full season deal. Maybe they can convert him to a two-way, right? If they you know wave Amita Brimer or something like that. Um, I think he's good enough that they have to think about those, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying they'll do it or that they should do it because, again, he has a bunch of limitations. But because they need point guard depth pretty badly, that could be a good use of a two-way or the last rusher spot to me. And his summer league was impressive and noteworthy because of those things. Yeah, do you think the fact that, I mean, it's kind of something we work to where he's just older and like a more developed player that at all could make him look a little bit better something that maybe he would be like in a practice against some of the actual Pacer players? I suppose in summer league that's true, but also if you're – you know, this is your third point guard or your two-way guy. Like, that's yeah. kind of what you want. Is <laughs> Like, you are playing. If we are very injured, we need you to be good, not a project guy. Yeah, yeah. You're, so, you're yes, the... he should look good in summer league, but also that that is a leg up for him to me. Yeah, I mean, it means he's kind of like, right, there are like 450 NBA players. It means he's the best of, or like in the top tier of like probably the 400 right. to 600 players that could be playing yep. in the league kind of thing, that range. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, like I'm talking about summer league, like I said, I just, I, I do feel like it's kind of like a, advanced version of college basketball right it's like you get like guys who are second third year who maybe if they had played three years of college would look at look at that level if they had played that year so it's a little bit better than college but um when you have like these outliers of aged people it sometimes can throw that off at least i think a little bit yeah it was good to watch him he was uh number one on the intrigue list for me i guess i have a tie for two because they're competing for a spot um well actually my own perception gets in my way here but Cassius and Amita, uh, the okay, Pacers. We, sh- we should wait on Cassius on next segment. I think talk about it summer league. Yes, that's no? totally fine. Uh, so Amita was interesting to me because his two year or his two way was two years. There's nothing guaranteed. Kind of on a two way, kind of not right now. Whatever. It's very confusing. I haven't actually figured it out yet. Amita is the same player he's always been, which is pretty funny. He's been in the Pacers organization for like three years now, mostly with the G League teams and with the summer league squad, but also with the Pacers for like a month. Uh, his defense is awesome, right? He's great at defending shots around the rim, good at cleaning up some boards. He cannot touch the ball on offense. He can't even catch lobs hardly, his offensive game. It's pretty awful besides dunking. So uh, he didn't show me anything that made me think he's way better. And he kind of falls on the, in, like like you talked about Sykes being older. Uh, Brian is 29 now, I think. I want to double check that. Mm-hmm. He's 27 still. That was 27, but I, yeah, it says 27. Still but... older. Uh, so yeah. I, you know, He's definitely an awesome defensive player. And, like, again, he, he wasn't awful in his NBA minutes, whatever. But I think they can do better with their two-way. I was hoping to see a bit more from him. Not that he was bad, but 
uh, you know, just not quite the stand-up performance I would want from a guy. So he's my second most interesting guy because I don't think he showed enough to, sh- to prove that he is worthy of the Pacers' second two-way slot. Yeah, I, I think he... Especially because, like you said, they have so many centers. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be hunting for a two-way deal somewhere and might end up in another league next year. I mean, that might be his kind of destiny. I'm not sure he's proven to really be an NBA player. And even if right, he's been the pace of three years, he played five games last year. Nothing was that impressive in, the, in those games and nothing. It seemed like he's like improving, I guess, in some ways. Wouldn't shock me if they convert his deal from a two way to an exhibit 10, bring him into camp and then have him uh, get a bonus to report to the Mad Ants. Because, again, he's, he lo- he's got that familiarity with Tom Hankins and the Mad Ants organization. The Pacers seem to be fans of him. They bring him back every year and the Mad Ants need some center. So that, that seems like a good fit for him. But I don't think that the Pacers on a two way. Is interesting. So what, Go ahead. What, I'm just thinking, what, what does it actually, like, he on the mats, what is the maximum salary he can get? Like $400, something in that right? Uh, with the G League, I okay. forget what it is now, actually. I think that the, the minimum is like 75 k now. Okay. Uh, I'm just wondering, is it actually, you think you get paid more in the G League than you will get paid to go play in Europe? Or no, definitely China. not. Okay. Most guys go play. Well, actually, China is um, limiting overseas players this year for COVID yeah, reasons. COVID, but yeah. Europe is still an option. Yeah, most of them pick Europe because of, of the money. Um, and that like a lot of it used to be that Europe was the best way to get back to the NBA for a lot of those guys. That's not as much the case anymore. But uh, yeah, I think that the reason that that's what exhibit tens help with is like that salary in the G League isn't huge or anything like that. Uh, but if they get that exhibit 10 bonus of 50,000, then it becomes like, oh, wow, this more. is legitimate money. Yeah. Yeah. A little more money. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it ends up with the Mad Ants, and that's not a bad thing, obviously. I just I just don't think he's done enough uh, in his time to, like, prove he's really an NBA player. I don't know if, it, if it's better off him going somewhere else to see if he can compete for something, but I'm not sure it would bring a different result than what's yeah. kind of coming out right now. But, I mean, it's kind of like what we've seen with a lot of Pacer players, right? They come and go throughout the years because it's just you just, like, are on that bubble, right? You're Instead of not being one of the top 450 players, you're one of the top 800 players in the, in, in the world, which is not enough to be in the NBA, at least. So there's several ways you get paid in the G League. The average salary is one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I do wonder too. I mean, but he would make more than that. He's better than. Yeah, that. but with the COVID year too, it might just be easier to stay in America and try to go somewhere else, even if it's a little yeah, more. Yeah, because then it's then if you get called up to the NBA, you don't have to go through you know, like yeah. worldwide travel. The last guy I want to shout out here. Yep. No one else. Like there were a couple of guys: Devin Robinson, Benny Boatwright, Ty Wallace, that I thought had a shot to like impress because of their former experiences in a way that they would get into Pacers training camp. I don't think any of them really did that. Maybe Jordan bone, because he's a point guard gets the Pacers last camp spot uh, because they might need a third point guard. But the last guy I want to talk about Terry Taylor, who is in camp for the Pacers already signed that exhibit 10 uh, Pacers announced that on their website a few weeks ago at Austin P he aver- I, I think I've told you about this guy before, right? Who yes. had like the, the 11 rebounds a game in college in his senior year at six foot five. He could do that in the, in the summer league too, with like actual pros, 3.3 offensive rebounds per game, tons of putback shot. 71% uh, was just a beast scoring in on the glass. I mean, he's got a really unique skill set for his size. He's a very interesting player. He definitely looked good. Uh, he, he was one of the better Pacers in his minutes out there. So uh, worthy of the training camp spot. I don't think he's maybe an NBA player, but uh so certainly an interesting guy for me to watch, and he he had a good summer league. Right, that Austin P team was won a tournament game this year, didn't that? Didn't that? I believe so. I believe Wasn't so. he part of? They had that really short point card too, and they were running the pick and rolls the two of them a bunch, right? Uh, let My, me double check. I believe that's what happened when they beat. Uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to look it up because I'm trying to remember. I never <laughs> watched. I want to know what his stats were in the game, but he was uh, he was excellent in summer league. Um, it they looks like 
they, I don't think they did. Play. Oh, they got beat, but it was a close game. They got no, right? No, that's Ohio Valley. Maybe they didn't make the tournament. I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. Um, I swear they've been in the tournament recently. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess they yeah, they had they went 14 and 13. So there's no way they made the tournament. I am off. Maybe <laughs> I'm thinking about somebody else. Anyways, doesn't really doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I agree with what you said. I think um it'll be interesting to see like at that size it's just like hard to make it in the in the league but the patient need need rebounding in some way so maybe he can at least like teach some of the other patient players how to like actually grab grab rebounds because that was a big struggle from their shorter players last year yeah that's that's true uh you know he's got that alizé ability to rebound uh for his size so looking forward to seeing what he can do for the pacers in camp and maybe with the mad ends we'll see but that is every interesting player for me Dwayne washington would have been next for me, but we already talked about him. Yeah, I still get what you don't have one. I mean, he's like the one guy who actually could play for the Pacers next year. I mean, I, I guess you did. Oh, I think one of the guys I just said between Kiefer, T- Terry, Taylor, Brima, and uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Washington, I bet two of them are on the Pacers next year between two ways as well. It's possible. Yeah, but I guess I, I feel like Dwayne Washington is probably the most likely to play minutes, but maybe not. I guess one of those, I guess Kiefer could get the size, could get the like last roster spot theoretically. Yeah, we'll see. I guess I just, I think it's you did yours based on expectations, and I guess I just like, don't watch enough college basketball to be like, I expect this guy to be a size. I want to see who looks good and who doesn't. And that like, why do I want kind of popped? Cause it was a really good first game. I guess we'll see. Yep. All right. Let's do, let's take one more break and let's talk about Cassius Stanley. Cause that's a player who could be on the Pacers next year or could not depending on what happens. But first today's locked on Pacers podcast is also brought to you by built bar. Built bar is that wonderful protein bar. We've been talking about for, months and i think over a year on this podcast they come in nine delicious flavors coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate my favorite one i said over and over again is the uh peanut butter brownie which is kind of a limited one but if i had to pick one of their nine kind of current flavors definitely the german chocolate or double chocolate i'm a big fan of sweets you can tell these bars are great they're between 17 and 18 grams of protein 130 180 calories to me, I find them as a great kind of mid-afternoon snack between meals, lunch, and dinner. You need a little something to kind of boost you up, especially like to work out in the mornings. Eat one of these in the afternoon. It gets me through to the evening. And right now, if you go to built.com, promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And we are also brought to you by wonderful friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ig is the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Got the baseball season in full swing. You can track all that action on BetOnline. The latest news, odds, and info for all your sport needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop mobile device and check out all the great news, sign-up bonuses, and kind of information. Don't sell the silence anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Have a look at today or mobile device and sign up for a 50 bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That means they match five dollars for every ten dollars put down, 50 for every hundred dollars put down when you code locked on L O C K E D O N betonline.ag. Your online sports book experts. All right, Tony. So, what do you make of the Cash of Stanley news? Uh, I was kind of surprised, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, e, you know. You can just convert two ways so easily or wave two way guys so easily. And so let's back up with the news. The news, J. Michael reporting, yeah. uh, Cassius Stanley had his qualifying offer pulled from the Pacers. His qualifying offer basically made him a restricted free agent. And if he accepted the qualifying offer and signed it, it was basically a contract offer. 
It's a two-way contract with $50,000 guaranteed. They could have converted him to an Exhibit 10. They could have done a lot of stuff, right? They could have made it so he'd be back on the team next year by making him restricted. They pulled it, which makes him unrestricted. I would not say that means he's gone. Uh, and now he can't just take – that was the last day. The day they pulled it was the last day they could legally do so. Uh, after that day, they, they are not legally allowed to pull it. Um, but if he had taken it, they would have had to waive Amita Brima. Now that's not necessarily a requirement, but I was pretty surprised. You know, I, I think that if they liked him, you know, keeping him in-house and, and you know, they, they, they said they graded him very highly last year. I don't necessarily believe that, but uh, they, they, they say that they liked him. And he actually had a pretty good summer league, right? He had a really rough first game, but every game after that, he looked good. He shot over 40% from three, shot really well from the field, played good defense, was good on the glass, right? Like, He's still a pretty raw player in general, but he's clearly getting a lot better. This offseason really helped him. He is tight with his teammates, right? He went out and worked out with them in California earlier this offseason. So all the signs kind of indicated to me that he would at least have a shot to be back on the two ways. And pulling it doesn't remove that shot, but it does lessen it. So I was I was pretty surprised, given how he played in summer league, that, that they did this. Yeah, they must – I wonder if they're targeting somebody else. I mean, it could be someone on another some like roster. It could be who knows, but I mean, I wonder if that's part of it. I mean, they're the thing about these two way guys is I mean, you're just looking for potential constantly. I mean, that's like the whole goal. Somebody could be uh, something, right? I mean, you know, a development potential, I guess. What or you think you're looking for somebody you can actually like bring up? I mean, isn't the same. What what do you think they're looking for then? Well, it seems like sort of there's three lines that teams take it. One is a guy who can act like he actually can play for your team. He just happens to be two A eligible. Uh, like Elijah Bryant last year with the Bucks, or uh, like the Pacers did with Alex Poitras, right? He was actually helpful for them before they ended up converting him. Uh, the, you know, that's a that, that's a thing that happens with teams sometimes with two ways. Then there's also, like you said, the development line. The Pacers have been heavy on that. And then there's also yeah. the you're injured and we drafted you line, like Edmund Sumner got uh, a bunch yeah. of teams do that. So some of it is potential, but sometimes it's like your break class in case of emergency guy, like Brima, for example. Uh, for injuries. So, but I, I agree with you that in general, they are used for development and, and they, they view him as a development piece. And uh, so that, that does make it interesting that they pulled it, but uh, you know, Jay Michael reported in his piece that they extended him a training camp invite anyway. So that kind of is more interesting to me. And I want to talk about that, but you know, I, I agree with you that in general, that that's how two ways are used. Well, especially because the Pacers seem to have um, a decent amount of depth outside of like the point guard spot, but cash isn't really ready to play point guard. Frankly, he's probably more of a two guard after watching Oh, he's a not a point guard at all. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the size of a point guard, but he's, he's like very much Aaron holiday esque in that way. Right. Where Aaron he's holiday five, he's way taller than Aaron was. How I guess Aaron was six feet, right? Yeah. Aaron not six, three. I guess it feels like has Stanley. I don't know why I feel like Aaron's taller than six feet, but he really is really short, but still six, five, I guess is sort of shooting guard height. I mean, I guess, I don't know what, what the heights are anymore, but that is more of a shooting guard height in, in general, but then he, he played point guard, I think for Duke a little bit. Um, I have no idea. Anyways, I'm <laughs> digressing. It doesn't really matter. I was all I'm going to say is I think the Pacers, are looking for potential in those kind of spots just because they have enough depth really um, in most positions. And they're not necessarily like making a break the glass like center. Unless obviously there's something go good where you can't play this year. I mean, they have three centers. They shouldn't really need that, frankly. And they seem like they have a lot of like guard forwards and they've got a bunch of draft picks too. They could theoretically use them in case of emergency if they need to. Um, so I just wanted to want to bring in some competition or they just want to have it open, frankly, um, in case they, somebody, you know, it's sometimes you just do the, the tag where you just leave something open because maybe somebody you're looking somewhere else gets released or whatever, and you can go snag them up and you don't want to be like restricted because you can always find a two way guy if you really want to. It's hard for me to have an opinion of this because Cassius just wasn't that good in his NBA minutes yeah. last year. But I do have thoughts in general on the decision making and what it could mean because I overthink every 
little thing. To oh, of course, that's fine. Though. But good. I also know the salary cap, so I kind of know what I'm talking about with this. Stuff. You always do. Uh, well, and so one, if they are pulling his qualifying offer because they don't want him back and they prefer me to Brima on a two way, that is very surprising to me. Like I would, I think that having Brima over Cassius on a two way slot is a big misstep, especially given the Pacers just having the number of centers that they already do on the team. I get. Well, I, I get something like Brima. They can just sort of put on the J League roster. Yeah. I don't really understand that if that's the the decision. And that's why I kind of don't think it is the decision. Jay kind of subtly reported in his piece that, you know, their lack of depth at point guard was a little bit of a factor here. And this would make sense to me. And why I mentioned keeper Sykes earlier is like, if pulling it means since now he can't, he can't sign a qualifying offer, right? If they didn't pull it, he could have signed it any time and they'd just be over a barrel. They have to let him have that two-way slot. And then they have to wave him off of it. Now they don't have to do that. So if they do want to just cut Brima and have Kiefer Sykes be their other two-way guy, for example, they can do that very easily. And they still have the option to bring back Cassius on a two-way if they want to do that. But the third and, and final point that I thought was interesting, and I actually I did a tweet thread the day that qualifying offers could be pulled the last day of like, the, today's the last day, Cassius, blah, blah, blah. And the point I had was one reason I can see them pulling it that actually you know wouldn't hurt Cassius is if they actually want him on an NBA deal, if they said, hey, we'll give you a uh, a minimum one-year deal non-guaranteed because his minimum is way lower than Keelan Martin's. It's like $400,000. So they could make quite some savings there. And I I mean, they were, remember there were reports from Jay last year at the end of the year that the organization was trying to get Cassius minutes in the last like 10 games of the season and Bjorken kept playing Keelan in those minutes. Um, but they clearly wanted to play Cassius and develop him in those minutes that Keelan got. So maybe the front office would like to have Cassius in that spot in front of Keelan uh, and Keelan got his guaranteed eight pushback. So that's the, that's the maybe positive outlook for Cassius is they did this because instead of him signing that qualifying offer and just being on a two way, they can now potentially negotiate with him like a spot on the actual 15 man roster. Crazy though, right? I mean, is it, is it any more crazy than Keelan? <laughs> I guess Wait. Keelan was good for a stretch last year, but he was yeah, Keelan was actually like, I mean, I mean, Keelan, you can make a case as an NBA player. Like, yeah. True. He's not a point guard, right? So he's not the spot you maybe need, but like you can make a case that he could like play your backup shooting guards minutes if somebody got injured and you needed to. Like he did what he shot. Like he had a couple of games. He had a nice little stretch where he shot pretty well from three for a little bit. If your 15th guy is what your seventh wing, Lavert, Holiday, Duarte, Warren, Sumner, Lamb. Am I missing anybody there? Like, are they even going to no. play? And if you anticipate them not playing, I'd rather have Cassius than Keelan. If you'd rather, again, do the break classic case of emergency spot, then you'd rather have Keelan. But that's just yeah, another that's reason. Fair. I guess the my tax my savings is, is a big reason to me. Is, I'm not sure the Pacers have this, like, like, super concerning lack of point guard depth because I think they have enough ball handlers, right? I mean, I think... Definitely. Like, but, agreed. Like, I think between, like, Sabonis, Levert, Brogdon, McConnell, they can figure out if they... Now, obviously, if two... If both Brogdon and McConnell got hurt, Yes, that, that becomes a huge problem. But like, if that happens, if other problems are going to start to arise because of, you know what I mean? Like, then they're playing whether it's their point guard has big minutes, and that's going to just be an issue in itself. That way, no way that guy is talented enough to really like carry or help the team as much. So, I mean, um, I guess I'm just not like, as like, I think you should just go with the player you think has, I, I, mean, I guess, is going to be the best player for what you're looking for in terms of like, can he play minutes if you need to? And like, I don't think Stanley can really play minutes yet. I think, I think Keelan proved at least can. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Again, maybe they, and if they just like him and they want to do it, that's the case uh, with point guard to me. I, you know, I agree. They have a lot of ball handlers, but only, you know, Brogdon and McConnell can create for others really. Right. You don't like, think Sabonis can in some ways. Lever- 
uh, he, like on handoffs and, and stuff. He's not like throwing dudes open that often. You know what I mean? Like he's helping guys get their shots, but he's not like, oh, you weren't open. And now you are outside of McDermott. Who's now gone. Um, so I guess now, I, I, I maybe same with Levert, next... like Levert was a five assist guy last year. Yeah, sure. Like... But like most of his passes were like, oh, Sabonis is open on the roll or like, oh, I, I can pitch to this guy. Like he's definitely a, a, a maybe I'm underrating his passing here, but like they don't have a lot of good creation for others at the point guard spot, which is why I think they would like the depth there. Yeah. And I, I do want to, but it's like if the roster is sort of built to be sort of like a lot of like pick and roll on one game in general, just because that's what they, they have. Right. Whether it's the, right. Like, like, could you just get away with like just running pick and rolls with like fans who don't watch games will go crazy. If that's the case. Those I know, but like, with- I'm wondering with Warren, right. Warren doesn't, I mean, I guess like he's not a great passer. Right. But can you just run pick and roll him as a bonus and probably be successful? And you, I mean, like probably, right. I mean, if, just even if there is a point guard, right, that might be a play they continue to run a bunch. Like, I just wonder if you can find enough if you like in desperation. Now, I'm not saying it'll be successful for a extended period of time, but like for a game or two, if you need to work, I think you'll probably figure out and make it work and like sure. and be and beat some teams. Now, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't I don't know if you should be like deciding your 15th spot based on that point guard because that 15th player playing already means you're kind of screwed. In some ways. Well, unless you sign a good 15th player that you think. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's I, why I don't think cashers should get the 15th. Well, spot considering their, their restrictions on salary to hit the tax, they're not really going to get a great player. That's fine, anyways, right? I mean, they're, they're going to get a minimum guy no matter what. Right. right? Like, right. if they were willing to spend the. Um, but like Jeff Teague's a minimum player, right? Like, it's not like the, the, I don't no. think Jeff Teague will take it. I'm just saying there's a lot of like the minimum is not a joke. Like, no, no, it's not a joke. But like, Jeff Teague is probably like the most. I mean, I guess he was not like. That's a really good option at, at the minimum if that's available, right? That's like, that's like the high end of the point guard minimum. He got the minimum last year, and he he, he definitely was bad last year. So. Yeah, but like he's still the high end of that market. It's a guy who actually was like, a, like, like if you're playing him in a regular season game as your backup point guard, you're not like I don't know if you're as concerned about things falling apart as like I get in the playoffs, he's not good. But like, can you get away with you playing Orlando in March? Probably. Uh, okay. Yes. I would yeah, not that, that, to me. That's <laughs> I don't want to build my team for Orlando in March. No, but that's to me. That's the success of like, your like your 15 guys. Can you play them in like a game in a random racing game against a okay team and be okay. And like, I think Jeff Teague is at that level. Like, I'm not, this guy is not going to be relied on to be your, you know, seventh man in the NBA final with the bucks. I mean, of course, Jeff Teague is not that, but like, that's not where the Pacers are even at this point. They need some, they would just need somebody to help them survive. We'll see what ends up happening. I mean, with the 15th roster spot and Kate, maybe catches is an option. If he is invited to camp, that means he got off. He had to get offered a deal of some kind uh, to get offered to camp. He can't just play on no yeah. deal. So we'll, we'll see what his future is. If another team nips him some guarantee, maybe he takes that instead uh, of the Pacers money after they pulled this offer from him. But you know, there's a reason they have this date and it's like you had two weeks he had two weeks to accept it, and I think he wanted to prove he was better than it. So, sure, I get why you don't take it, but you know, you don't want to feel bad for him for not taking it. But you also, if he's frustrated that he might not be with the team because he was good at summer league, well, he had the offer sitting there. So it's a it's a confusing situation how qualifying offers work with two ways, especially when your team already has two of them. But I, I think it's still possible, um, like just slightly less possible, but not substantially. So probably from like fifty five percent to like forty percent, the cash will be back next year to me. Uh, in some form, I don't know what that is, but that that's just it, it, it hurts his chances of coming back to the Pacers, but not much. But that's that's the gist of that, yeah. And I mean, maybe it's an offer somewhere else, right? Else could be, um, maybe <laughs> I mean, that's that's always the thing. If you don't take it, maybe you have an offer somewhere else. I don't, I don't know if it's maybe if he does, he should probably take it, yeah. I mean, but that back to why he didn't take it. I don't know, yeah.
I don't know. You got nothing else on Summer League? Uh, none of the bit players did enough for me to think they warranted a training camp spot. So Cassius yeah. needed this segment. I mean, I, I think to some to some up Summer League. I mean, I'm excited for Duarte. I think it, it was exciting what we saw. And he could, he, he could, if the success continues, I mean, I don't know if it will, but he could be playing some minutes next year, actually, which would be exciting. Uh, he definitely gave himself a shot to be the backup two guard. I agree. Yep. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for, pretty much. I mean, that's that's what the most you can ask for in the summer league. Unless he was going to walk 35 a game, and then you're like, oh, this guy's like better than that. But but you know what I mean? Like of the reasonable expectations, he he surpassed them. Karis Levert coming off the bench. I'm joking. That should not happen. I mean, from your from your mouth to God's ears, man. Um, you got you got anything else? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, f- no, I do not. Friday show still kind of in the works because I got to coordinate with some people, but uh, okay. nothing. Well, you'll we're down to three days a week. Did you announce that Monday? I did announce it on Monday. So yeah, we are back to three days a week on this podcast. Now we'll be doing that. I think for the next like four or five weeks, uh, I believe training camps open up. I don't know when the Pacers exact date is, but around the 27th or 28th. So that's when we'll kind of uh, come back and do five days a week. That's a, that's a September, not, not August. So um, we'll be doing three days a week till then, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there'll probably be some days where we do some little mix up because, you know, scheduling or whatnot, you know, we're not perfect all the time with our schedules, but we'll try to make it work. Uh, Tony will have the show Friday. We'll be back together on Monday, grading the Pacers off season so far. There'll be a mailbag coming up uh, towards the end of the month. So look for out for that. As always, you can follow our podcast at Locked On Pacers. Tony at T NBA, me at Free Madden Five. That is all for Locked On Pacers podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.